Now more than ever, you need a source of news you can trust. And you have such a source in WYPR. Members are our most important source of funding, and we need you now more than ever so we can continue to keep you informed amid the pandemic with honest, accurate journalism. You can make a pledge at WYPR.org. If you're a sustaining member, consider an additional gift or increasing your monthly pledge. We could not be here without you, and we thank you so much. Hello, listeners. This is Theo Hill reporting back to you. I have a very distinguished guest with me today. We uh, go back a little ways, about 10 years, in the recovery process. Miss Nina, how you doing? I'm well. Well, that's fantastic. Could you help our listeners um, with uh, giving a, a little bit about your background? Sure. My name is Nina. I am a military brat, meaning my father was in the U.S. Army, um, and he retired with 23 years um, serving honorably. I am the youngest of four children. I was raised in South Jersey after my family had done a lot of moving around, which is what military families do. My household, my parents were very strict with us. Things had to be a certain way. Things had to be clean. We had chores. We had, um, there were three girls and one boy in my family, and all of us held the same chores. Like, the girls didn't just do the dishes, and the boy didn't just feed the dog outside in the dark. All the chores were um, taking turns. You know, we took turns doing the chores. Um, I uh, grew up in South Jersey. I went to public school. And um, from there, I went to college in Philadelphia to Temple University. And after that, I went into um, the corporation world. When did you feel the first urge to use I was in fifth grade, probably around 11 years old, and it was nicotine. Mm -hmm. It was cigarettes. It was cool. Um, Some friends and I went into, it was dangerous now that I think about it, went into an abandoned house Mm -hmm. that had burned down. It was only one level, and it was a small old thing, Um, but we would meet there before the bus came. And then um, when I was 16 or so, went on to marijuana and alcohol. I had a fake idea, ID. At the time in New Jersey, the drinking age was 18. It wasn't 21 yet. And so I was able to, you know, go to liquor stores, go to bars, go to clubs and go dancing and, you know, um, just just get lost in the music and the lights and the alcohol and the drugs. When you um, were led into um, marijuana and, uh, and and drinking, did that lead you into heavier drugs? It did. Um, after several years, a friend of mine from high school, we hadn't seen each other in a number of years. We were close in high school. Um, she introduced me to cocaine. Okay. And so it was cocaine plus marijuana plus the alcohol and baseball games in the summertime. We were just, you know, we thought that was like it on the weekends. You know, we were, quote, weekend users. 
Um, and it wasn't until a number of years later that I started to use during the week as well. Okay. So that was the progression of the disease of addiction. Yes, yes. Okay. So when it was all said and done, how many years did you use altogether? I would say... Um, now, when I was in college, I didn't use because I didn't have any money. I don't know what college student does, does have money, um, but I, I didn't have any money. So I took like a four to five year break there. Mm-hmm. But in total, it was probably close to 30 years. Okay. Okay. So how did using affect your personal life and relationships? Well... For most of my life, I thought my relationships were, you know, top-notch, good. I mean, the the people that I used with were my friends, um, and we hung out a lot, and we went to parties at their houses, barbecues, and while the children were running around out in the yard and the elderly folks were on the first floor listening to music, there were those of us in the basement doing what we were doing and then coming up and dancing and eating and just having a good old time. So as far as relationships, you know, those were actually, I learned later, false relationships. Um, Right. Yeah. yeah. As time went on. Definitely. Definitely. How did using affect your job? I was diagnosed as bipolar. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1997, and prior to that, I was showing um, symptoms of it, but didn't know. I thought I could fix myself. I knew the depression. I did a lot of reading on it, but it wasn't until things got really bad Mm -hmm. on my job. I wasn't performing. I was being put on um, performance, um, you know, timeouts. um, And one of my managers, somebody who I respected and trusted, suggested that I go to the employee assistance program, which gives you resources to mental health, et cetera, et cetera, um, things that um, challenge you in life. Um, so that's when I the flag kind of went up for me, mm-hmm. that there's a problem here and there's an issue. Um, and I was bipolar and still using, so it wasn't until I got clean that my um, medications could actually kick in and do what they were supposed to do. So I went for a number of years being bipolar and being bipolar, mm-hmm. you know, without mm-hmm. the medication doing right. its true effect. What did you do to get clean? So on the job, mm-hmm. I messed up a really big project. In order mm-hmm. to run away from accountability from that project, I went on, um, I took a leave right. from the job. Um, during that time, my using got really out of whack. Um, my house foreclosed. My father passed away. Um, I crashed my car. Um, I went back to that job. I lost my job. And so things started to get you know, really, really bad. I, I thought that I had bottomed out. Actually, I did bottom out with those mm-hmm. those things that are, um, you know, physical in this world. Um, so I got clean by going to an intensive outpatient treatment. Okay. And there I learned to um, talk about my, what I was going through mm-hmm. to, in a group setting 
and to individual counselors. And I also, um, it also gave me something to do so that I wasn't wandering around trying to cop. Right. You know, it took up my time in the evenings. It was it was intense. Put some structure back in your life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do you do now to keep you from using drugs? I focus on my job. I focus on being responsible and paying bills. I focus on um, home. I focus on um, my mother, who's 90 years old and lives in another state. I focus on making my time with her and her time with me very relevant and precious, as I don't want to have any regrets at some point when she's no longer here. I stay away from those people that I thought were my friends. Right. Um, changed my cell phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, no longer go to those parties or have a desire to. But there was a while there where they were calling me for birthday parties during the holidays. I mean, it was like it was like clockwork that they would call. So I had to change my phone number. Changing people, places, and things. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, how's your life different today? I am more responsible mm-hmm. on paying bills. Um, your recovery is what your responsibility. It is. It yeah. is my responsibility. Yeah. I um, have a group of people that I break bread with regularly. They have various amounts of clean time mm-hmm. and I love talking to them and just spending time with them because we can all identify with where we came from and although our stories are different from where we grew up etc um, it's basically the same basically the same yes, absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely Nina was it hard to um, get new friendships without the use of drugs <sighs> Yes. Okay. Because I didn't think I had anything in common with them. Now, what had happened when I was going through my bipolar episodes, I withdrew from my family and friends. These are my family and friends from my childhood, from high school, from college. And I moved from New Jersey to another state. And All of my friendships were long-distance friendships, so it was hard for me to withdraw and to disappear since we were connected with the telephone, really. Um, But I will tell you, um, it wasn't until I got clean and I started um, hanging out with other recovering addicts did I find someplace that I belonged and people who love me for me and respect me for what I've been through, and I do the same for them. So, um, yeah, it was difficult at first until right. until I got clean. What would you like to give to the addicts who are still out there using and looking for help, just don't know how to do it? It's real hard. It's real hard to get to the realization that I'll speak for me. Mm-hmm. It was real hard for me to realize and to admit to another human being that I had a problem. Now, other people were telling me, you should go get some help. You know, I just I just played them off. But I would say to um, addicts who are still out there that it may be the most challenging thing in your life 
to get clean and to stay clean. There are tons of resources out there. Some of them might not feel right initially, um, but just keep plugging away because um, it'll come through for you. Thank you. That was Nina telling her story in One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. This is Theo Hill. Keep listening.